0: Hello, and welcome back. I've got something a little different for you today. This is a preview of an interview I did with my good friend, Danny Gavin, on his podcast, The Digital Marketing Mentor. Danny and I know each other for almost 25 years. He's a really close friend and an absolutely gifted marketer. He runs an agency in Houston and is a professor at the University of Houston, as well as runs an online digital marketing school called Audio Academy. It was nice to be on the other side of the mic And I talked to Danny about mentorship, my journey into marketing, and my current role as a fractional CMO, as well as topics that you're very familiar with, like marketing for startups, chat GPT and AI, and many other interesting topics. I really enjoyed my conversation with Danny, and I hope that you do as well. And I will actually be speaking with Danny on a future special episode of the Product Market Fit podcast, where he will talk to us about GA4, Google's new analytics product. Now, here is an excerpt of my conversation with Danny Gavin on the Digital Marketing Mentor.
1: Welcome to the Digital Marketing Mentor. I'm your host, Danny Gavin, and together with industry leaders and marketing experts, we'll explore the meeting point of mentorship and marketing. We'll discover how these connections have affected careers, marketing strategies, and lives. Now, get ready to get human. Hello everyone, I'm Danny Gavin, founder of Optage, marketing professor, and the host of the Digital Marketing Mentor. Today, I'm super excited to have a special guest who's actually a childhood friend of mine as well, Moshe Poltrak, who's founder and chief growth partner at growth.co, that's growth without the O. Growth.co helps early stage startup businesses with fractional CMO services to help with strategy, vision, and growth. For those who don't know what a fractional CMO is, it's an experienced C-level executive retained on a part-time basis at a fraction of the cost of a full-time CMO. Moshe's particular focus is on the intersection of marketing and product, and the overlap of data and customer experience. Before Growth.co, Moshe successfully grew and helped launch businesses as a team member within multiple verticals, like healthcare, technology, and e-commerce. Finally, Moshe is the host of the Product Market Fit podcast, which personally I love. And today we will be going through Moshe's mentorship journey, and digital marketing in the startup world. How are you, Moshe? I'm great, thank you so much for that wonderful intro. I'm really happy to be here, Denny, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome that two guys who you know were in camp together when they were 14 years old, each have their own podcast and have the ability to continue that friendship both on a personal and professional level. Not everyone has that. Yes, and I'm I'm very grateful
2: for that. You were the first person that I called when I got a job offer or it wasn't even an offer at that point. It was just an exploratory call from someone here in Houston. And I didn't know anything about Houston except for the uh, Houston, we have a problem from Apollo 13. So I hung up on that call and I called you. I was like, hey, Danny, what's going on in
1: Houston? Yeah, I feel like you were kind of the forefront of that move. And as you know, once you moved here, you know, other family members moved here, but also a whole community has started to to grow here in Houston, which has been absolutely remarkable. The beginning of the downfall. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Depends which way you're looking, right? Upside or right. downside. Let's start off with your educational and work background. How did you get here?
2: Let's rewind to, I guess we'll start at college. I went into college thinking uh, that I would actually go into neuropsychiatry, um, which was a field that I was fascinated by. And in general, I, I think the unifying theme. Throughout my career, my life is trying to understand how the brain works and how people think. I quickly realized that you need to go to medical school to do neuropsychiatry. So I was like, "No, I'm not going to do ten years of schooling." Um, so I then changed my major, nearly double majored actually in, in psychology and uh, business management and finance. Was one class short of that second major in psychology, and just didn't work because my schedule I was working at the time. But I'd taken a lot of psychology classes, and uh, marketing just seemed like that perfect fit of exercising both sides of my brain, understanding you know, the softer side of uh, how people think, empathy, uh, creativity, and then the left side of the brain of uh, analytics, data-driven decision-making, and seeing patterns. Uh, so that's kind of uh, how I fell into marketing. I had some experience early on when I, after I graduated in the startup world. I always envisioned myself as a, as a startup founder and an entrepreneur, something probably came from my childhood and from my father's background. He's a scientist turned entrepreneur. You know, building things from scratch or from the early stages really appealed to me. Uh, so I got to experience that uh, in a very ambitious uh, startup that I had co-founded with a few other folks uh, back in 2011. We were trying to build a, a virtual currency. This is still when uh Bitcoin was about buck 50 um, at the time, and uh, had we put our money in Bitcoin instead of into that startup, it would be a very different story at this point, but learned a lot, uh, failed along the way, and uh, got to experience what that was like at the early stages. As I mentioned, I got a call, you know after that, uh, had gone belly up uh, in spectacular fashion. Um, I was doing consulting for startups and for um, different companies in the financial services and and, uh, payment space and uh, retail. Um, And I got a call from an acquaintance who I had just met at a conference a couple years back. He had seen a write-up about something I was working on on the blog and reached out to me, what are you working on? Uh, Hey, you know, you want to come check out Houston? And I hung up with him and I called you and I was like, what's going on in Houston? Uh, It turns out, you know, that was uh, Daniel Kotler, the CMO of blinds.com. Uh, a fast growing e-commerce business in Houston at the time i think they were at around 100 million or so in revenue so i came down here checked it out checked out the community the city you know fell in love and uh, joined that company and uh, held a few different roles there and during my 4 years with blinds we were acquired by home depot so i got to go through my first you know, kind of public company acquisition and experience working for the home depot essentially uh, and seeing how you know a fortune 100 operates and you know there's a lot of interesting learnings there. After a while, though, I got that startup bug again, and I went to uh, a startup called Brain Check, which was a software as a medical device company building neurocognitive testing. This was a fantastic science and technology, but they didn't have a business. And I was brought in together with uh, CRO, Jordan Weinstein. Uh, together, we pivoted the company from the concussion space and working with athletes and pivoting it to working with uh, seniors and dementia and Selling the software to uh, physicians, clinicians, and eventually to uh, hospital systems—that was uh, an amazing uh, experience as well. We had uh, raised our venture funding and found product market fit, and we're growing. And then COVID hit; the company kind of went into a little bit of a hibernation mode. Uh, sales and marketing was mostly disbanded. So I was at a crossroads, and I thought to myself, you know, do I go back to consulting, which is something I'd done uh, earlier in my career, as I mentioned, but I'd always felt a little bit transactional and mercenary to me. On the flip side, you know, do I go to my next startup? There's a lot of sacrifice and uh, risk that goes into working for an early stage startup as we see now you know, with all the job cuts and, and losses. As an employee of a, of a startup, there's a lot of sacrifices, whether it's work-life balance, financial benefits, et cetera. And I kind of landed on this fractional CMO model, which to me seemed like the best of both worlds. I could be embedded in a team and see the outcomes, the fruits of my labor and see things through. However, I get to kind of spread it around and work with multiple companies at a time, even multiple industries, and it keeps the learning fresh. And it, obviously it, it um, diversifies the risk as well. I had worked with fractional CFOs, chief financial officers in the past, was familiar with the concept, but hadn't met any fractional CMOs before that. In the last two plus years, really, it's exploded. And now it seems like everybody's doing it, which is great. It shows, it shows that there's real value to this kind of leadership delivered in a fractional way where you're getting a lot of the benefit, I'm not going to say all the benefit of a full-time CMO, but for a company that is early stage and maybe can't afford a full-time CMO or isn't ready for it yet, it's a great way to tap into talent and strategy that otherwise you wouldn't have access to. And what I find most often is that they start with a lot of tactics whether it's with an agency or a junior hire and don't have a strategy to direct those tactics so that's where a fractional cmo could be really beneficial so i've been doing that for two and a half years i started on my own as a fractional cmo and then i uh, expanded and launched growth.co as a hybrid consultancy slash agency where we have uh, multiple cmos now and we uh, also have uh, some execution capabilities as well in-house and uh, that's where i am today and i also have the podcast as you mentioned. A product market fit. That's a recent endeavor.
1: Such an amazing journey. And you literally like have had all these amazing stops along the way, whether it's from a startup to like huge corporate buyouts, and it's just amazing. So it really provides you with this well-roundedness. And one point I wanted to just add on, like from the agency side, I always talk about working with an agency, it's kind of like a marriage. And you need to have two equal partners. And often a company, they're like really quick to hire that agency, but they don't have that internal person to meet the agency from that perspective. So I found in scenarios where there has been some sort of fractional CMO or fractional marketing person, it's helped the agency tremendously as well. So I can definitely appreciate that from my perspective.
2: I hear people complaining oftentimes about their agency or they feel like they're spending a lot of money and, and not delivering results. And then I ask them, like, what are the, goals that you've set for them and you know there's kind of like this question mark of you know we we want revenue but like what are they specifically tasked to do and, and what's the strategy and agencies for the most part there are uh, bad agencies that will intentionally not do anything for you but most agencies are trying to do good work but they need to know what they're aiming for and they need to be managed and directed and um you know having that relationship and having someone who uh, has been there and, and done that and can uh can help from your side and oversee the agency is important.
1: Okay, so I want to roll back a little bit. I know that there's a lot of lawyers in your family and you worked part-time, I think, at a law firm during college. So was there ever any pressure like, you got to go into law? Um, obviously, you went into marketing. What drew you to marketing and kind of defend the people who maybe said, naturally, you know, your, your last name is this and you should become a lawyer? That's so funny. The, um, I actually
2: took the LSATs and I prepared... My application for law school because it was a it was a foregone conclusion that you know my grandfather was a judge my father works in law two brothers and a brother in law are lawyers it was just kind of the automatic path that that I would follow and I studied for the LSATs and I scored relatively well uh, and I was preparing my my package for uh, law school and I'm very glad that I had a moment of clarity where I said you know what am I doing why am I doing this you know this is not really what I want to be doing and that, you know, kind of pivotal decision changed the course of my life. You know, who knows how it would have turned out, but I think that I'm, I'm much happier in my chosen profession than I would have been as a lawyer. So you never know, uh, you, you mentioned earlier about the stops along the way and, and the journey. Uh, the journey is always uh, bumpy and, and twisted and there's never a straight line for better or for worse, right? And, and those opportunities sometimes come from you, from places where you would have never expected. And you have to have a plan, but you also have to be flexible to go along with the opportunities that come your way.
1: You mentioned before that kind of what what draws people to marketing is this like left brain and right brain thinking. We've seen that when you have that sort of brain, it's very beneficial when it comes to the marketing space. How did you come to realize this about yourself? Like, was it an outside realization? It was later on, it
2: wasn't it wasn't in uh, the beginning of my career where I Fully understood why I enjoyed what I was doing. It was just kind of like let's try to do all the things, and we'll figure it out along the way. And I could equally have as much fun, you know, analyzing a set of uh, keyword performance in a spreadsheet as working with a designer on a new campaign or you know something similar that that exercises the right brain, the, the creative side as well. Um, I've also been lucky enough that when you work in in a startup environment, you get to have much more experience much more quickly. So I I talked about, you know, some of the downsides and risks of working at startups. And obviously, I'm not trying to turn people away from it. There's a lot of upsides. And one of those upsides is the breadth of experience that you get. Because when you work in a established company, especially when you get to much larger enterprises and Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s, you mostly get pigeonholed in a specific position. And for some people, that's Wonderful you know for a kind of a craftsman personality where they want to do something the same thing every day really well, that's fantastic. but when you want to explore and you want to learn lots of different things, i don't think there's anywhere better than a startup to be able to just try on different hats and do what needs to be done because there's nobody else who's going to do it so if you if you want to do it, just go do it and if you like it, great um, now you've you've added something to your tool belt so having that experience early on and being able to you know I was leading marketing and product development for the startup that I had mentioned, currency, you know, working with engineers, working with designers, working with the sales team, sketching out wireframes for the application, at the same time, you know, working in, in Google ads for for Lee Gen, everything was pretty new. And I got to experience all of it and I got to see what I liked and what I didn't like. And I, I quickly realized that I would be very bored in a very pigeonholed position. So if I was a full time analyst, oftentimes get lost in a spreadsheet for hours. And I love that. But if I had to do that every single day for eight plus hours, I would get bored and I wouldn't be able to, uh, that other side of my brain would kind of atrophy. So get, putting myself in positions where I can have responsibility and, and, and direct involvement in both sides has been the key to my enjoyment
1: of the roles that I've had. And I'm sure that helps a lot of our listeners because a lot of people don't necessarily know what they want exactly. Uh, they, they may know exactly what they don't want, but exactly what they want sometimes takes trial and error and getting your your feet wet and trying things out. And, you know, from your journey, he sees that that, that, that's a a one successful way of getting to where you want to go. I would argue it's the only
2: way, but uh, maybe maybe somebody has kind of plotted a course and followed that course to a T and and found success and good for them. But from what I've seen, both individually and for companies, startups especially, trial and error is really the only way. It's, It's you take action and you learn and you, make sure that you have a tight feedback loop to implement those learnings and then you take a next action. Where I've seen both from personal experience and from others where failure is is almost guaranteed is where there's inaction, where it's just a paralysis.
0: This is just an excerpt of a longer conversation that you can find on his podcast, The Digital Marketing Mentor. And I encourage you to check out the full-length episode, as well as the many other fascinating episodes, especially if you're a marketer early in your career or interested in mentorship for marketers. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and wishing you all the best.